1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 11. So that's 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 11. And it can be found on 1156. That's 1156. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By the gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether, then, it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. We thank God for this word. Chapter 5. If you have a church Bible, it's on page 1032. Luke 5, verses 1 to 11. One day... As Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding round him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signalled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Then Simon Peter saw this. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. 
So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the gospel. Well, good morning. After such a wonderful time of worship, that uh, what really is left to talk about, and in all honesty, the choice of those songs, the words people gave, that uh, almost really what I had here written down that to speak about. But I said, I must start with the rector. Hadn't his tremendous faith in me? What did you, sir, say at the start? Napo, do what? Yes. Yeah. Wow. But you know that after being away for six months from the pulpit, my situation is uh, like of a son of a Pentecostal minister. That's not commenting on your age. I'm, of course, older than you. That uh, uh, it, it wasn't your church, Pentecostal church. It's not the story from there. It's from somewhere else. The story is like this, and I exactly feel the same way. That there was this Pentecostal minister. He ministered just so faithfully. Day and night, day and night, ministering and ministering, year after year, without taking any break. The, the church started to notice that he is really, really getting tired and weary. So they approached the church elders, and they said that, you know, we need to do something. The pastor must have a break before he breaks down. So they arranged a meeting. They went to the pastor and said to him that, look, your flock is saying you need a break. The pastor protested. He said that, no, I can't. Who will be looking after you people if I go away? They said, we are not asking for a great deal. Only three Sundays. Take a break. But who will be preaching those three Sundays? One elder thought for a moment and said, you have got a son. He sits in the congregation. He listens to you so diligently. And of course that he is with you at home. He will look after us. No problem, you go away. So son did not know anything. So dad went home, convinced that, yeah, that is a good idea. So he said to the son that, son, I am going to have break next three weeks, and you are going to be preaching those three weeks. Son, of course, protested, but dad didn't have any of it. No, you are the one going to preach. Simple as that. Dad went away. The first Sunday came, and the son stood up like me here and said to the congregation, do you know what I am going to talk about? They thought for a while, and they said, no. And he said, you know, I'm just so disappointed. My father has been preaching so faithfully in this church. 
He taught you so much. And you even don't know what his son is going to speak. I am too hurt. Just go. I can't preach. <laughs> so he went away. Yes, got it. <laughs> so the congregation went, of course, around the, 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 the coffee tables and so on. The whole congregation, that is awful. What a letdown for the son of our minister. Next Sunday came, so the congregation arrived, and he repeated his question. Do you know what I'm going to preach about? And this time they said, yes. And he said, praise the Lord. You know it already that what I'm going to preach. You ponder, and I go home. If any problem, give me a ring. So by now, the church had figured it out that, hey, hang on, hang on. This is something. So they did their homework for the third Sunday. So he came and repeated the question. Third Sunday, the same question. Do you know what I'm going to talk about today? And they had already planned. One side of the aisle said no. The other side said yes. He said, brilliant. You don't know what I'm going to talk. You know what I'm going to talk. You teach them. I go home. Any problem, next Sunday, Dad will be back. So that is how I feel today. And then, sir, you, I'm going to speak from Luke's Gospel. And obviously, Jesus is my passion. But beside Jesus, there is this other figure, Peter. And you were giving me permission to be free to talk whatever. And uh, you know that when I was a young boy, and it's honestly true, and my teacher and my mentor, he gave me name Peter. And the reason he gave me name Peter, not that I was uh, some young man of a great faith, but he noticed that I suffer from the same disease what Peter suffered. And do you know what was his disease? Foot in mouth. And that is exactly this man as well. But you know that over decades of ministry, one thing what I have learned, that God can take glory, Jesus' name can be glorified, even from very unworthy vessels. Let's have a word of prayer and ask the Lord to speak to us. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before your throne of grace. And Lord, we thank you for this wonderful worship time we had. Lord, we thank you for your anointing. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. And Lord, we still ask for more, more power, more power. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus. And Lord, Holy Spirit, come upon each one of us. Open our hearts, our minds to understand and to receive. And as for me, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart and mind, glorify the name of my Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you have got Bible nearby, we're speaking from Luke's passage. So here we meet 
Jesus, not in a synagogue, not in a temple, but on the beach. It is actually well documented in the Bible that uh, places where the water was were places of people meeting together. But uh, this morning, I would like us to just focus. Jesus was not in so-called some holy place, but he was there where people gathered together. And you know that one of the great fascination I felt when I came in August to you people here was your buildings in Meadgate. No disrespect for traditional churches. All my life I, I ministered in traditional looking buildings, uh, uh, churches. But what a fascinating two buildings you have. They, they give a picture that you are there where people are. And I believe it is a God-given huge, huge blessing and gift to this church. Praise God for that. Maybe some of you sometimes feel that, oh gosh, I wish that we had a little bit traditional looking church. Forgive me, but this is the opportunity God has given to you. Where people are, you are there. You look from there, nobody can tell it is church. Anybody can walk in. Nobody will be bothered that there are some holy people sitting inside and they are going to tell me that you, you are sinner. No, people can walk in. People can talk. Praise God. So there was people, uh, people. Jesus was there. Jesus started as we uh, read, started to preach the message of salvation. The crowd started to swell and more and more people started to come. So much so that Jesus was a bit worried that they are going to crush me. They're just, everybody is trying to be near me. Nowadays, we don't want to be near anybody. Of course, we are also worried about the, the, the COVID. But do you know why these people, they wanted to be near Jesus? I personally believe in this instant that because Jesus was the one who healed people, he would touch and the lame will walk. He will command and the evil spirits will leave. And that is what people wanted. Brilliant, but Jesus' focus was actually on the message of salvation. As I start ministering among you, I will tell you one after another things of deliverance, of, of healing, and so on. But for me, the important thing is that for Jesus, they are just secondary things. The main thing is the message of salvation. So that's why he stepped back and he wanted to get into that boat. And he looked and there were these people. They were busy washing, repairing their nets. Hopefully, they were probably listening to 
to Jesus. So Jesus looked at them, and he picked up on Peter and said to Peter, Can I have a ride in your boat? Ever wonder, there were other fishermen as well. Why did he pick up Peter? Why Peter? Well, it, it, it well could be that uh, Peter was obviously already known to Jesus because if we follow John's gospel story, that Peter's brother, Andrew, he had already introduced his brother to Jesus. And we read in Luke's gospel chapter 4 that before this event, today's reading, that Jesus was in Peter's home and where he healed his mother-in-law. So probably it is because of that, that Jesus, I know the guy, I will ask him. Or could it be something different? Just imagine the whole night these people, they have struggled to catch fish. Nothing came. They were washing they were repairing their nets. Now, for a moment, put yourself in Peter's shoes. Forget about those bad things about mother-in-laws. <laughs> it is as eldest son, it is not only your own parents that, and your own family you are responsible for, you have responsibility of in-laws as well, and your net is empty. You didn't manage to get anything. Let me just make my point. Just imagine for a moment, I know from hardly anybody, I believe, here who would identify with this, but just imagine that you are on daily wages. What you earn this day that is the money which is going to look after your family tomorrow. There is nothing else. But what if you didn't get work today? Are you with me? What if you didn't get to work today? Even sitting here in the church with all the tremendous worship time, where, what your feelings will be. Now think of Peter in those terms. Thinking, net is empty. I didn't catch anything. How am I going to feed the family? And Jesus picked him up. Peter, I want to get in your boat. You know, this is one thing that what I love about Jesus very much. You are never just one somebody, an individual, or a member of a crowd. You are a special person. You are not just one tree in a forest, but you are one special person. He knows each one of you personally. And you know, nothing, nothing is hidden from his sight. 
Yes, you can have a beautiful smile, but he knows what is hurting you even today. And he wants to get into your boat. Jesus requested, Peter accepted the invitation. There is this tremendously beautiful book in the Old Testament, Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. In chapter 5, there is this dream or a vision of this beloved who was waiting for her lover to knock on the door. When he knocked, she said that I am already now in bed. I have washed my feet. I am now here. How can I step out from my bed? But here is Peter, tired, disappointed. He said, yes, Lord, come in my boat. Are you going to be like that beloved of the song of Solomon or Peter? That no matter what you have gone through before, he is asking, let me in, and you will allow him. So we read that from there Jesus continued with the message. He completed his message and note that it is after completing the message he said to Peter, leave the shallow waters and get into the deep. Jesus first completed the message and then invited, go into the deep. I love churches like this. I praise God and I mean it. But I have ministered in so many different churches. And there are churches where it is that when the church service finishes, and the vicar or rector and the and the curate are already saying that who is going to be on the menu today, rector or the curate. Because what is discussed is their personalities rather than what was learned. When you go home, I, I have, here is your rector, he can tell you because a new person picks up far more these sort of things. The quality of preaching in this church. One person is sitting here, the other one, young woman, is missing, and tremendous preaching. But do you, when you leave the building, stay in the shallow water, or you get into the depth? What do you do, what you learn here when you go home? And that I would like this as a challenge to you, think. And the reason I say so because, believe you me, even within six months, I have fallen in love with you. Because when I look the place where this church is, when I see the warmth you have, when I see the quality of the leadership, I believe that Lord has much greater things. But those greater things happen when we go into the depth. Peter, just imagine now, Peter looking first at Jesus, 
smiling probably and feeling a bit embarrassed as well and says, okay, Lord, we have done all night this business. Nothing came. But if you say, okay, I will let the nets down. It was terribly difficult thing for Peter actually to do. Just think that if you are an expert fisherman and a carpenter <laughs> is telling you where to catch the fish, how would you react? And then, tired you are already, you have washed the nets, you know that this is not a time to get fish, because fish, we may think stupid, but they are not stupid. Because in Jesus' days, the fishing nets were not like our nets made of nylon. They were of different material, linen. Broad daylight, Peter, are you in your senses, people on the, on the beach, that you are going to cast your net? Because fish are going to see it. They didn't even come into your net in the dark of the night. How on earth in the broad daylight they are going to come? But Peter had faith. He did cast. Okay, I will let them down. And there was so much fish. Tide probably is against you like it was against me. But if you let your net down, Jesus will not let you down. I have got one glasses, not these ones. They never leave my side in my, you know, that normal life. And the story of those glasses is that uh, I was vicar in Dagenham. My children were still very young. The darkness visited my family. My family was broken. And uh, just, you know, that when year after year, People have pronounced the word that how God is going to use you for his glory and suddenly darkness engulf every bit of you what your life feels like. I had, it was summer. I had sent my children to go and see their mother in Finland and I had ordered my first spectacles from Lake District, yeah, Lake District, a lakeside shopping center. And that's the place where I used to go with my family. And on this particular day, my children are not with me. I went to pick up my spectacles from the shop. As I took those spectacles and I walked towards my car, it was I'm sure all of us, we know where is uh, that shopping center. I never parked outside. I parked under the roof. So walked 
to words, and it was, my feet felt like that somebody has tied 40 kilo on each side, so difficult to walk. Lonely, broken, on the verge to say, I had enough, Lord. I came to the car, I put my those spectacles on the uh, the the uh, the passenger side seat, and I turned the engine on. As I turned the engine on, my car was absolutely filled with this fragrance of a flower, which one person would know, because that person comes from same background as me. It is a family of jasmine, but you don't have in this country motia. So that's my favorite flower, name is Motia. And this, the fragrance is, for me, much greater beautiful than Jasmine. The car is filled with that fragrance. And I, that flower does not grow in this country. Where is this coming from? So as I came out from that uh, uh, parking space, I took the... and. This smells bad. So at the roundabout, I stopped and I managed to open it. No, it doesn't smell from here. I put it away. Where is this smell from? My car is filled with that fragrance. Where is it coming from? And thinking that, A13, I go back to uh, Dagenham. And all the time, where is this? Where is Somebody rubbed with me that somebody left. No, it smells as bad as it was when I went to the lakeside. Where it is coming. I reach home. I turn the engine off. And suddenly, that smell disappears. But as I open the door and put my one foot out, I heard the Lord say, you said that you want to give up because you are so lonely. That fragrance, it was me with you. And my brothers and sisters, that is the same for you. Jesus, you let him in your boat. He will never let you down. Never will he let you down. So they caught all this fish. And do you notice that Peter did not say, thank you, Lord. I, probably he never visited these islands where two words we are always taught, yes, thank you, please, please and thank you. Yeah. He didn't say thank you. What did he say? He said, go away. I am a sinner. Do you know why Peter said that? Because you look the Old Testament and you will understand. Because suddenly Peter noticed that, hey, this is not just a miracle worker. It is a divinity in human person standing here in my board. Go away. Why? Because you look the Old Testament, the presence of the divinity means destruction. But what did Jesus say? Don't be fearful. And my friend, if Lord is calling you, 
You don't need to be worried about your past. You don't need to be worried what is behind. This is one firm belief from personal experience, from the experience of four decades ministry, that you can, however committed Christian you are, you still can fall down, fall down sometime face down in mud. But the moment you get up and you take one step, Jesus says, it's all right. You are okay. You are as loved as you were loved before, even more so. So if God is calling you, don't be worried what was behind. Keep eyes on him, and he will not let you down. So my hope is that, uh, my hope was when I started, for us to learn two, three things. One, that Jesus, these sort of incidents when they are mentioned, it is not in the gospel to amuse us. No, they are for a purpose. And for this one to me, the purpose was what I mentioned right at the end. First of all, that in Christ Jesus, the whole divinity did and does dwell. And the second, that Jesus is the one who accepts and who recruits sinners. Here is one example. Paul wrote about himself already in 1 Corinthians 15, we read, that least of all I am, but to me, Jesus called. Whatever anybody thinks of anybody else, it is Christ who calls us, no matter how horrible sins we have committed in the past. May God give you grace that if he calls you, you step out in faith and see what he can do in your life and through your life. Amen.